Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our Morning Glory Midweek Bible Study. Uh, today we're going to be in the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Why don't you meet me over there? And uh, as you can see, we're back over in the Studio A. We're having some audio technical challenges in our traditional Wednesday morning Studio B. We'll get all of that ironed out, praise the Lord. But you know, that's the blessing of having two studios. If one ever uh, has a problem, I can switch over to the other one and then get that one fixed. It's just nice to have some redundancy, not only in streaming, but also in life, isn't it? Do you ever notice on airplanes they have redundant parts? Why? Because if you're flying and this goes out, you always have a backup that you can rely on the backup. And oftentimes good systems have three levels of redundancy. Praise the Lord. And actually, we have that here. So we thank God for His goodness. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. Today, we're going to talk about moving towards excellence. Praise the Lord. This is a wonderful subject to study, and I believe it will have a great impact in your life for good. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come right now during this study, that he would come bringing the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and that we would begin to see the scriptures. Now we thank you that the spirit of wisdom and revelation is the Holy Spirit. So, oh God, we just thank you for giving us divine illumination to move towards excellence, to know what it is, and to know how to develop it, to know how to approach it, and to step into it. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, we all agree and say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Well, the king can see that Daniel is different, that there is something exceptional about him, where he is even identified as having an excellent spirit. What is an excellent spirit? Well, I believe we can define an excellent spirit as being able to operate and perform at the highest possible level for each particular moment. And I say for each particular moment because I believe excellence is something that moves and we have to endeavor to keep pace with it or else we will be left behind of the mark of excellence. For example, in the television industry, how many of you remember decades and decades back, everything uh, used to be black and white. And before there was black and white, there was, there was motion without audio. So eventually audio was added. It brought a new level of excellence. And then we went from black and white to color. But how many of you know that when we went to color, as big of a jump as that was, uh, there were still new levels to reach. Matter of fact, um, sports took off to a new level when color television was created. Because once viewers could see their teams in their colors, uh, it created a different level of connection and attraction. And uh, so, yes, we went to color television. That became the new level of excellence. But even still, that was color television and a resolution at that time of 360p, which had a lot of graininess in it. And uh, 
you know, it was, uh, it was a long time before we ever made the jump to what we now know today is 1080p. Most of the videos that you watch on the internet have a resolution of at least 720, which is the lowest standard to be considered, uh, you know, high def, but really true high definition is 1080p. And thank God for YouTube and many other uh, formats that allow us to stream the message. But you know what? In this day and age, if I was still streaming to you or ministering to you in black and white, uh, there would be a, a loss of a connection. Why? I've been left behind of what the standard of excellence now is. So excellence or having a spirit of excellence is operating and performing at the highest level possible for each particular moment. That's why we're always on the move to uh, rise to levels of excellence to bring glory to the Lord. Now the word excellence in the Hebrew is the word yet tear. And it means when we translate it, it means excellence of course, but it means preeminent. It means surpassing. And I like this. It also means extreme. Wow. You would be extremely different in a good way. So it means extreme. It means extraordinary. And it could also be translated as being very great. Praise the Lord. So Daniel had an excellent spirit and the Lord wants you to move to an excellent spirit as well. To have that developed within your life. So what we want to do is we want to move towards that, but we also, we can't ignore the context really that we are seeing Daniel while being portrayed with an excellent spirit. We have to look at the context and see uh, the reaction that, that that can cause sometimes even around uh, those that would be around us or even those from a distance that we might not know. And that is a reaction uh, oftentimes of persecution when you have an excellent spirit. We actually can read it in the very next verse, which is verse four. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So an excellent spirit can create and foster jealousy among those who do not value excellence. And excellence, of course, is a key characteristic of God's eternal kingdom. Everything about heaven is excellent. Everything about the Lord is a spirit of excellence. He is the king of kings. Praise the Lord. So excellence, which leads to success, is always, not sometimes, it's always accompanied with persecution. This is something that you must be prepared to deal with. While some persecution comes from those in the world, it's not surprising that this other source of persecution comes from believers who are not developed in their walk with the Lord. And so they are the ones that refuse to move with the cloud of glory and having been left behind, they become jealous. They become indignant. And so uh, they get stirred up and they begin to criticize. What is criticism? It can be a form of a persecution. Criticism is one's opinion expressed in a very harsh manner. See, you can have a different viewpoint, 
but to express it so harshly with an intent to demean or hurt the other person. Those are things that we should never step into. So my friends, we have to understand that when you have the excellent spirit like Daniel had, like what you're moving further into, there will be at times persecution. Now we see this as par for the course as expressed in the book of Isaiah chapter 42. And let's drop down to verse 13. Isaiah 42, verse 13. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry out, yes, shout aloud. He shall prevail against his enemies. Now, I'm bringing that to you from the King James Version, and it says, He shall stir up jealousy. So, the going forth of the Lord automatically stirs up those that would have this type of a spirit. When the Lord begins to move, when there's a lifting that begins to take place in your life because of an excellent spirit, it just does something to stir up those that already have it resident within their heart. And so we need to be aware that this is going to happen and position ourselves to walk accordingly. Praise God. Mm -mm. I have found and I made a note of this, that jealousy can be due to them uh, perceiving that you have some type of advantage that they don't have. That's why many become jealous. They look at you. They look at your lifting. They don't see all the efforts that you're doing or all the work that you're putting into it. They just see you're lifting up and uh, they think that you have some type of superior advantage some type of help that they don't have. And even Christians can think like this. While they technically, biblically, have the very same advantages that you do, they're just not utilizing it. And so they become jealous. We see also in Mark chapter 10 that Jesus gave further insight concerning this. Mark chapter 10 and in verse 29. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. So you can expect to receive the 100-fold return, the 100-fold blessing in this present life in which you're living, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, with persecutions. Praise the Lord. Every lifting up from the Lord will cause persecution to come against you. There is no successful kingdom committed man who will not receive his own share of persecutions. Mm -hmm. We are not more anointed than Jesus and Jesus was persecuted more than any man, but we're going to just Walk in the principles of the Word of God. We're going to forgive those that would be jealous or would bring persecution. We're going to bless them and not curse them. We're going to bless them and we're going to go on and stay focused on what we are called to do. Praise the Lord. Notice so often with the great biblical characters that when they were normal, nobody bugged them or bothered them. When Isaac uh, was in a situation of need, just like everybody else, the Philistines didn't envy him. It was only during his lifting they got jealous, and now they begin to persecute. Same thing with Nehemiah and Ezra, as they do their work on the wall and so forth. It's only when there's success, now there's jealousy. And we see with Jesus that when he was a carpenter, 
uh, there's, there's no trouble. Matter of fact, I'm sure many people liked him and thought he was a real, just a real wonderful uh, young man. Everybody thought he was just the nicest person. But the moment, whoo, the moment he was anointed and now is his time of being lifted up to carry out his uh, commission, then suddenly all hell breaks loose, persecution everywhere. <laughs> what in the world is going on? Well, he's anointed. He's walking in an excellent spirit. His ministry is growing. Uh, the message is being sent all over, and he went on to accomplish his assignment. But yes, there was persecution. Just be aware of that. It comes with an excellent spirit. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Now, Let's go further into not only understanding excellence, but how we can merge into it and have a life that exudes excellence. I believe it's a package deal. Uh, I believe that uh, the Lord would want us to be developed in our career field with excellence, that the Lord would want us to uh, be developed in our home life, in our marriage life, or your single life, or whatever it might be, where there's an excellent spirit that you just walk in, and that begins to affect everything in your world, and also those that would have view of your life, the way that you live and govern your life. So now we're going to go over to Colossians chapter 4. And this is primarily our, our key verse today that I want us to dig into. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul is writing, and he's going to address a certain individual. These are the instructions, and he says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry. Now, Archippus, when translated in Greek, means lover of horses. So he was obviously named this name by his parents because perhaps they loved horses and this is something that's being passed on to the son. But everywhere he went, his name denoted uh, an element of, of his identity as someone who just really liked horses a whole lot. Praise God. So if you're out there and you like horses, then know that uh, God can even honor the name of a horse lover. Praise the Lord. And there he is in the Bible, lover of horses. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. I like horses too. Um, I don't, I don't want one because they're a lot of work, not only feeding them, but all of the manure that's got to be removed and cleaned up unless you have a big open, you know, uh, pasture type field or something like that. But even still, they're a lot of work, but I tell you what, every time I see those painted ponies, woo, my goodness, beautiful horses. I do like the Mustangs. Mm -mm. Uh, if you ever go to the, uh, Biltmore estate, here in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, there are a couple of horses that are there. Now, they've got a whole stable full of horses that you could take tours on the extremity of the property and go out into the forest and all on the trails. But there's a couple of the horses that are there that are, um, that are, that have been brought into the uh, I guess the flock is not the word, but brought into the group of horses that work there. Uh, I think there's two of them that used to be uh, on the uh, on an island that's off the coast of North Carolina. Where back in the 1600s, a Spanish ship crashed on the island, and uh, all the men eventually got off, but they left all of their horses. They were mustangs, and so they ran wild. They've been running wild for 400 years, and they're still running wild today out on that island. But two of them were brought from the island to Asheville, and uh, when we uh, toured the Biltmore Estate. 
we actually decided to take the horse ride. And so my daughter got the Mustang. And so she was real happy. She got to ride the wild, what was formerly a wild Mustang running around on that island. And uh, so that was really nice. And I got to ride the only white horse they had. They had one all white horse. <laughs> I felt a little bit like Jesus. Now he didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody was throwing palm fronds or palm leaves in front of me, but it sure was fun to ride the white horse. Mm -mm. Maybe it was a precursor because we're all going to come back with the Lord eventually at one point after the, uh, uh, you know, the catching up of the saints and then the, uh, the full unfolding of the latter half of the great tribulation, all of that ends, we will come back with the Lord. He will be up in front and we'll be riding behind him on some really fast White horses, praise God. We have a lot to look forward to. All right, let's get past Archippus and his wonderful name and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that, that you may fulfill it. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Take heed. This word take heed in the original Greek language means to see with mental vision and to consider and contemplate it. So basically when you pull this word together, take heed, the fullness of the meaning of it is suggesting that we uh, find out what it takes to get it done and then do it. Take heed, see it, contemplate it, understand it now that you know, and you can see it, go after it and get it done. Praise the Lord. So we have to take heed and here he's being exhorted to take heed to the ministry that the Lord has given him. But I, I don't want you to think just ministry because out of, out of everybody in the body of Christ, only about 15% get called into full-time ministry. So what happens to the rest of the 85%? You have to identify the career field and the calling that the Lord has for you. So you could read it like this. Take heed to the career field which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Praise the Lord. Now, let's cover something very important here because if we skip this, we can never get into excellence. So let's go through a little uh, understanding of fulfilling this scripture. Just because you receive a ministry or a placement into a specific career field does not guarantee fulfillment does not guarantee that the end result is all going to work out. You're going to have to give it all it takes. You're going to have to uh, put your whole heart into it because that is the path into excellence. Praise God. So you cannot attain excellence in any ministry or career field that you have not received from the Lord. I'm going to have to read that again. And say it real slow. I want you to meditate on this. Let it get into your spirit. Because God wants you to reach the top. Now listen to this. You cannot attain excellence in any ministry or career field that you have not received from the Lord. Mm -mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, now I don't understand that. Why would that be? Because God is not committed to what he has not Command it. Mm. Okay, let's chew on that just a little bit today. God is not committed to what he has not commanded. So if the vision is not from the Lord and you engage in it anyhow, then you're going to have to do it 
in your own strength, your own power, your own ability. You're going to now have to fund it. It's all on you. If you jump into something that God has not commissioned. So you want to be very careful as we're endeavoring to break this down. You want to be very careful that you don't mistake ambition, passion, or certain impressions for what would be a true vision or a true identification of what God has for you. And the Bible warns against selfish ambition. Now ambition can be a good thing when you're dialed in and you're running in your lane. But uh, so often people are looking left and they're looking right. They're looking in every direction instead of the direction that God has for them. And it can really cause some trouble. Praise the Lord. So just because you see a need doesn't mean it doesn't mean that God is calling you to that ministry or even that career field. I see a need over there. Yep. That's where God wants me. Well, just because there's a need doesn't equal a calling or an assignment. Let me give you an example. Let's talk about ministry for a moment. You could be in ministry and uh, maybe you travel to a different country or maybe you're here in the States and you see young children that, that are not being raised right. Maybe they're abandoned or something like that. And some countries are, they're homeless, literally just walking streets or walking trash piles. And you may think I need to start an orphanage. All I'm saying is that just because you see a need doesn't mean that God has now given you a divine assignment. Because if you look carefully enough, there are needs absolutely everywhere. And if you just start trying to tackle needs, tackle needs, tackle needs, it's endless. It's endless. And the ability to fund it is bottomless. It, it's just, there's just no way. They're everywhere. You, you could drain all the money of Elon Musk, Bill Gates, or Jeff Bezos, put them all together. You would empty their wallets within weeks if you tried to fulfill every need that's out there. Mm -mm. Praise God. For example, with the orphanage, uh, you might think, well, orphanages are, are good. It's all good. Hospitals are good. Christian schools are good. There's all kinds of good things you can do, but you, you have to be careful that you don't get into something that God has not called you to get into. I'll give you an example. I was sitting next to a, uh, a pastor one time, and this is the only pastor I've ever given this type of specific word to. And I was sitting next to him and I said, Pastor Josue, I said, the Lord shows me that you're supposed to be involved in an orphanage, helping out with an, an, orf with an orphanage. And he stopped and looked at me. He said, Pastor Stephen, he said, did you know that I was raised in an orphanage? I said, no, I had no idea. I didn't know that. He said, well, I was. He said, that's, that's in my heart. See, but just because I gave that word to him doesn't mean I can start going around to others. Oh, brother, orphanages are really good. All of you need to have an orphanage. Well, there, I'm just saying the orphanages are wonderful, but the needs are endless. Uh, we have, we have unwed mothers. We have those that can't pay hospital bills. We have needs here, needs there. All, they're, they're all over the planet and some places in the planet, <laughs> they're desperate. <laughs> so you're, you're going to have to filter through all of that and do not mistake ambition, passion, or certain types of impressions for what would be a true vision or a true assignment to a God-given ministry or even career field. Woo, praise God. 
Mm -mm. Why is this so important? Because you cannot attain excellence in any ministry or career field that you have not received from the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. An open door or a, or a wide open opportunity does not equal that that means that's a divine assignment. Because there's doors all over the place. Now, yes, you want the right one to open, but I'm saying there's all kinds of open doors out there. But that doesn't mean that's a divine assignment. Praise the Lord. So take heed. Take heed to what you have received from the Lord, the ministry, the career field calling. Take heed to it. Excellence begins with knowing that the ministry or the career path is from the Lord. And you're not going to be able to excel in it if it's not from him. Look at this in Jeremiah chapter 23. I think, I think this is stunning. Look at this. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 21. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. Well, Pastor Stephen, if they're out there running around, surely God sent them. They're prophets. No. He did not send them. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. Sounds like some rebellious prophets to me. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Well, Pastor Chief, and they're prophesying all the time. Surely it must be God. No, it's not. It's, it's all them. It's all coming out of their soulish nature. And if there's something you want to hear, trust me, they'll cook up a real good one for you too. <laughs> and God's not in it. I, now, now, yes, there are true prophets, rock solid, that when they give a word, it's, it's, uh, it's coming from a very seasoned veteran man or woman of God, prophet or prophetess. And yes, you really need to give great heed to that. Praise the Lord. But there's a lot of fluffy stuff. And let me say this, that today, verse 21 is going on more than I've ever seen in the history of the church. We've got people all over the place that are running races that they're not even assigned by God to be running. Yet they're out there running. They're out there running. And some, some Christians are so naive to the wisdom of God, they actually applaud them while they're running. Yes, good, good, good. That's real good. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, no, that's not good. It doesn't even have the right ring. It, 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 there's no anointing on it. Mm, wow. I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. Praise the Lord. And you know what? That's why those prophets are not excelling. They're not excelling and moving forward in the plan that God has for them because they're running races. They're never called to be running. Not that they're not supposed to be a prophet, but you're, you're going to have to get into your specific assignment. Let me dig a little further with this. This helps out. Jeremiah chapter one, verse four. Let's examine just, just for a moment, the mystery of predestination. Verse four, then the word of the Lord came to me the prophet Jeremiah saying before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And now when he's saying, I knew you, that means like, I know everything about you. I, I knew you. Everything's mapped out, planned out. I've got it all preset. It's ready for you when you show up. 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified or I set you apart. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So before he's ever out of his mother's womb, he's already, he's already pre-planned and pre-ordained by the Lord to be a prophet. Now watch this, not just a local prophet, not just a regional prophet, but a prophet to the nations. So his ministry is going to have an international impact. We could even say a global impact. But how, how successful would, would Jeremiah have been if he would have said, you know what, Lord, I guess you've got a good plan for me. Uh, obviously, you're real smart. You're God. You created the planet and not the universe and everything else created me too. But you know what, Lord, I've got a different idea. You know, Lord, I know you want to be, you want me to be a prophet, but uh, Lord, I want to be a chemist because I love taking test, test tubes and mixing stuff together. And I just love working in the laboratory. And you know, I've always wanted to wear one of those white lab coats. That's Lord. That's really what I want to do. So let us ask ourselves a question. Could Jeremiah ever rise to the highest level of excellence as a chemist? No, no. So why in the world would you go a path that you can never be number one in? Why would you go in a direction that no matter how much you pour into it and how much you try, you can never be number one or you can never reach true levels of excellence because that's not your lane. That's not your assignment. Oh, but if he stays a prophet, oh, he's going to become world renowned. Yes. He was known all over Israel. Kings and other nations knew about him. People in other countries talked about him. They even had a name for him, the weeping prophet. Now, of course, he wasn't crying all the time. <laughs> He's probably laughing right now in heaven. Praise the Lord. But, I mean, we're still reading about him a couple, uh, what, over 2,000 years plus ago. So he stayed in his lane and he reached excellence, even during a time of war, even during a time of great distress in the land. Wow. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So you have to tie into what God preordained you to do. Praise God. Which is why also you can't even truly know that until you get born again. Because God, before you were ever born, planned out what you would do, your assignment, your calling, and your purpose. And you cannot know that outside of him. Praise the Lord. So true knowledge of God's plan for your life begins with the born again salvation experience. Praise God. You know, I, th I think it's very interesting. The, the story that Dr. DGS Dinakaran told, and he was the great man of God from India, passed away a few years back. And he talked about the time that he was taken to heaven in a vision. And when he was in heaven, he saw, how did he describe it? Uh, he saw these big markers that had, like, he would see like a, kind of like a, uh, it's like a banner. You ever seen like a banner that's like kind of, like, like a flag banner that's kind of straight like that? Real tall, but kind of thin. And he could see these banner markers that, was set, that were set up in heaven. And it had rankings in areas of ministry. And look, look, there's also rankings in career fields, uh, whether it's scientific, uh, academic, or whatever it might be, medical, there's rankings in God's eyes. And so Dr. Dennis Karen said that when he went to heaven, 
he saw this one banner, this one ranking. And at the top of it, it said salvation. And it had the ministers that were called by God to preach what? Salvation. In other words, they are evangelists. Now remember, you've got to get in your lane. You'll never get into excellence if you don't get into your lane. Because even if you identify that you're called to the ministry, okay, you've solved the first big question. But don't forget, there are five areas of ministry. Apostle, excuse me, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So it's not just being in the ministry and identifying that. Which, which lane? Which of the five? Okay? Because if you don't get that right, you're still not going to come into excellence. So Dr. Dinda Karen, very reputable, trusted man of God, said while in this vision, he's looking at this, this, this list of names, and it said salvation. And this was the list of the great evangelist. And he looked, and lo and behold, number one, the number one name on the whole list, he looked, and it said Billy Graham. Isn't that amazing? And the list just goes down, just like that. Of all other good ministers that are, that are called to evangelism, that are like Archippus, they're fulfilling their ministry, and they're all on that list. But at the very top was Billy Graham. Mm-mm. And then his eyes moved over to another list, and it, it had different people on this list. Do you know what it said? It said, salvation and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Woo! And a different person's name was on the top of that list because they, yes, that, that those evangelists would lead you to the Lord. And then they would also lead you into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he could see these different lists and their rankings and the excellence of those that had risen to the top because they're, they're in their lane. And then he looked over to another list with a long, long list of names. And at the very, very top, the title of that list said compassion. And Dr. Dennis Karen said he looked and there to the joy of his heart, the very number one name of all the ministers in the world that ministered on that subject, the number one name, DGS Dennis Karen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you can see that all over him. If you go to, to YouTube and watch his videos, you see a man with the camera zoomed in close to him. You see a man behind a pulpit, like a glass pulpit like this, and he's preaching. Very calm demeanor. Very re- relaxed. And, and if you didn't know, you think, well, maybe he's talking to 50 people. Maybe he's talking to 100 people. And then the camera starts panning back, zooming out, and you realize, oh, there's, there's some people in the audience. Then you start to see a thousand people, 2000 people. The camera keeps panning back 10,000 people, 20,000, 50,000, a hundred thousand, 200,000, 250,000 people. And you realize he's speaking to a multitude, these massive meetings. And he's just standing there real calm talking and he's ministering with deep compassion. Why? Because that's exclusively needed in those parts of the world where you have people sitting out there in the audience in destitute poverty, no shoes, sick, diseases, and uh, no, no, no hospitals, no, no, no money, uh, living uh, day by day, hoping to just get another meal or make it through the day. And so what do, what do they need? They need the compassion of Christ. Woo! And it just flowed out of him like a river. Praise God. Supernaturally. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was supernatural. He was called the apostle of love. 
But that love was expressed with a very fatherly type compassion. And so, because he's in his lane, where does that take him? It takes him up just like it did Daniel, who stayed in his lane. It takes you to the top, and you can never get to the top levels of excellence and be in the wrong place. Mm. Pastor Stephen, I want to be like Daniel. I want to develop an excellent spirit. <laughs> Do. What he's called you to do, pray, make those discoveries, and invest into that. And when, like Archippus, you are given a ministry or, a, or an unveiling of the lane that you're supposed to be in, your career field, all hands on deck, get your job done now at all costs. Mm -mm. This is helping you to understand why some Christians that are floundering, despite their excuses, they're still floundering. Why? They're in the wrong lane. They're in the wrong lane. Mm. Praise the Lord. You ever, ever notice in the Olympics that when you get to the men's 100 meter dash and you get to the finals, eight fastest men on the planet. Let's go back a few years because he's retired now. And you have uh, Usain Bolt there in the final. How come nobody that runs the mile is trying to race him? How come none of the high jumpers are trying to race him? How come none of the shot putters or discus throwers are trying to race him? Because he's untouchable in his specialty event. You take him out of that and go put him over there in the pole vault. Uh, suddenly now he's, he, 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 can't, he can't compete. But you put him in his element. And what happens? Excellence. Excellence. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Now we must make use of some other principles as well. Second Peter chapter one, you're moving towards excellence. Second Peter chapter one, verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never Stumble. Be very focused to make sure that your call and your election are sure. Your walk with the Lord, your salvation is intact, and also the contribution that you are making through your work, just stay with it and continue to develop and develop. And we see some keys to that development in verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. The virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take all of these qualities and merge them into your life and take it with you everywhere you go. Take it into your workplace. Take it with you everywhere you go. Because trust me, self-control is valuable everywhere. Knowledge is valuable everywhere. Diligence works everywhere. Perseverance works everywhere. Godliness is beneficial anywhere you go. Nobody wants a cheater or a liar working for them. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. And make application. Praise God. Now, let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. This is going to help you also move into excellence. No one engaged in warfare 
entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. I've said this before. I would like to repeat it at this time that the primary reason, the main reason why men fail is because of broken focus. Something else has distracted them and got their focus off of what they need to be dialed in on. Did you know that when David, King David committed adultery with Bathsheba, did you know that he was 48 years old at that time? Well, now, Pastor Stephen, that's interesting. I thought maybe he was 27, still young and spry and, you know, had a, uh, you know, really a, uh, trying to, you know, still uh, exert all of his youthful energy and so forth. And uh, I figured he was a young fellow. No, nope, he was 48 years old. What happened to David? Uh, Bathsheba broke his focus. Uh, yes, we can't blame Bathsheba because, first of all, David's in the wrong place at the wrong time. He should have been over there at Ammon, modern-day Jordan, uh, engaging his top general uh, uh, to take the city. But he's goofing around, goofing around. He's lost his focus. Now he gets himself distracted and in trouble. And so you can't, you can't rise to excellence when you're sinking down into sin. Mm -mm. Stay alert. This is a lifetime walk. This is a lifetime walk. When you're in your 30s, the enemy throws different things at you than when you're 20. And when you're 40 or 50, he throws different things at you now that you're in a different decade of, of your life. So be aware of these types of things and don't be distracted. Consider yourself as a good soldier. And you don't allow yourself to get entangled up in stuff that will impair your process of rising to the top. Because it's going to take everything to get there. Praise the Lord. And we see that in our closing scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. And that you have an interest in developing an excellent spirit like Daniel, you, you do understand that not everybody in the church has his interest. <laughs> there are those in the church that uh, maybe they belong to the sloppy agape group. They love the Lord and they love others, but uh, don't expect them to brush their teeth. Uh, don't expect them to uh, dial back the garlic or the onions before the big meeting. No, they're going to be themselves. And uh, you know what? There's a, did you know what the White House garlic is banned on the list? It doesn't matter if you're president and you say, I love garlic. Matter of fact, my ancestors used to raise garlic gardens. It doesn't matter. Garlic is not allowed on the menu at the White House. Why? Because they, they try to create, in all that they do, a spirit of excellence. And it's not excellent to go up in somebody's face and you know, have bad breath and breathe it all over them. It's not, it's not excellent. Well, Pastor Steve, I'm going to eat what I'm going to eat. Well, then you, you can't go into certain places. <laughs> you, you can't behave certain ways and go into certain places. We're not talking about being haughty-taughty or, you know, or rude or arrogant or anything like that. But we, we are trying to move into a mindset of excellence like Daniel had. And Daniel was the top advisor to a very powerful king, very powerful king. And Nebuchadnezzar was something else. Yes, he was an ungodly man. He had a lot of mixture in his life. But I tell you what, that was the center of literature 
and growth and development in the areas of science and education. It was the world leader at that time, and he's standing right in the midst of it. And God wants you to be like Daniel, where you rise to the very top of your career field, even if it's in Babylon. And of course, for many of you, it is. And maybe some of you are laughing, thinking, yeah, I'm in New York, modern day Babylon. Or even as Paul referred to Rome as being Babylon, maybe you're watching me from Rome. <laughs> Because in Paul's era, it was. There was great persecutions against the Christians there in Rome, Italy. But regardless of where you're watching me from, God will give you wisdom like he gave to Daniel. Not the compromise, but the walk in excellence. Not to break the laws of God, but the walk in excellence and still achieve your assignment. Mm -mm. All right, one more thing we need to see. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Paul says, but... But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. See, Pastor Stephen, it's all grace. That's all it is. Yes, it is all God's grace. But we have to also embrace our responsibility. Again, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Well, Pastor Stephen, I was hoping you weren't going to read part B. Well, we can't ignore that. While it is the God, is God's grace that carries us, even empowers us, we still, with that empowerment, must now express it through various forms of labor. Praise God. Hallelujah. But I labor more abundantly than they all. He outworked any of the 12 original apostles. He worked, 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 but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So the grace of God is with you. It is there, and it will empower you, but yes, it empowers you also to work. And while you're working, you're just enjoying it because why? This is what God has for you. Praise the Lord. And even Paul said the same thing. God had him marked before he was ever born to be a preacher of the gospel. Some of you are wondering, why is it not working right for me? Because God already knew before you were born what you're supposed to be doing. But sometimes people, they have a lot of ambition, and ambition can be good. But the Bible warns against selfish ambition, and you can be like, I'm going to do this no matter what. And if you do that, you'll never reach excellence, and you'll never become number one. Mm. What took out William Branham? At the time, the world's leading prophet. Well, the... The 1950s healing movement began to lift. And as that came to a close, the teaching ministry, the next move of the Holy Spirit in the earth, the teaching ministry began to come forth. And up until that time, it was just all preaching. It was almost, uh, the mindset was like it would be almost impossible for a minister to actually have provision come in to support him if all he ever did was teach. Because people in the church really devalued teaching. But the teaching movement came, and God, God began to raise, raise up teachers. Uh, Kenneth Hagin, Charles Capps, and Kenneth Copeland. So teachers began to come forth. They're teaching, 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 teaching. And William Branham began to foresee, even before it started to shift, that healing movement that was coming, excuse me, the healing movement was ending, and now we're going into a teaching movement. And he said, I'm going to be a teacher. And you know what? He was a great preacher, and he could, uh, he could really preach divine healing really well, and he could also 
operate in the ministry office of the prophet with words of knowledge that when he was in that category, he was number one, number one prophet on the earth at that time. But he said, I want to teach and I'm going to teach. And he couldn't teach. Anytime he tried to teach, he'd, he'd, he'd start getting in the false doctrine. Anytime he tried to de- teach, he would start confusing people. And Gordon Lindsay, the founder of Christ for the Nations, and also uh, the uh, general editor for the Voice of Healing magazine, went to William Branham and said, why are you trying to teach when you can't teach? Why don't you stay satisfied with God's unique blessing upon your life as a prophet and operate in the sign wonder ministry that God has given you? And, and then you can be a blessing to many, many people. He said, no. He said, I want to teach and I'm going to teach. And that began the sudden falling apart of his ministry and eventually the premature loss of his life through a tragic accident. He got out of his lane. He got out of his lane. Wow. My friends, let us not be like Isaiah, the prophet, or excuse me, the king, the king. Back in the Old Testament, you had prophet, king, priest, three distinct categories that, that you could be assigned into by the Lord. And so the king wants to be a priest. And he goes into the temple to offer incense. And the priest said, hey, hey, look, look we love you and respect you, but you got to get out of here. You are not allowed to do this. This can only be done by the descendants of Aaron. And we are those descendants. You cannot do this. He said, I'm going to do it anyhow. And while he was talking, he was struck with leprosy. Struck with leprosy, turned white. <laughs> that got his attention. He died a leper. Mm. Now, as a king, fame, wealth, prosperity, notoriety as a king, if he'd have stayed as a humble king, oh, what a legend he would have been. But it was all cut short, all cut short. Praise the Lord. There, there is something special about reaching levels of excellence and knowing who you are in the Lord and knowing your assignment and staying plugged into that. And as we see in verse 10, there is also something special about labor and work because there's no bright future for the lazy man or the lazy woman. There's no bright future for such a person. Mm. Praise God. But I see the spirit of excellence beginning to touch your mind as a man thinks in his heart. So is he. The word heart there in the New Testament is a reference to the mindset of a person. So as a man thinks in his mind, so is he. Woo! You have to think, I'm becoming like Daniel. I'm becoming like Joseph. I'm rising to the top in my career field. I'm being lifted up to give advice perhaps to the king or to the CEO, hallelujah, or to the board of directors, praise God. Mm-mm. Those are two very special anointings, the Joseph anointing and the Daniel anointing that will rest heavy upon this end time church. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Please lift up your hands. I want to pray that the spirit of excellence touch you, touch your mind, that it will begin to rest upon your life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the anointing, the mantle of the spirit of excellence. Something that 
we grow into because excellence continues to move higher. So, Father, let that anointing come and rest upon your people right now. Let them be persuaded to be like Daniel, a man that will not violate the laws of God, your word, but a man also who develop into excellence. We thank you, Father God. Take your people higher into this area because there, there's high places that they were determined to walk in before they were ever born. And it's going to happen. It is going to happen. I thank you, Father, for the unveiling of destinies. I thank you for the diffusion and the blocking of wrong paths. That the angels would go forth and put a briary blockade in front of that wrong path. And no, it's not the devil blocking it. It's God's angels blocking it. Now, Father, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Father, may we always walk in reverence of you knowing that we can never become number one or come into an excellent spirit in something that we're not called to. Now, Father, we give you praise. Let the spirit of excellence begin to descend upon your people as they praise and worship you. I see a bright future, oh God, for your people. A future full of laughter and joy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And the Lord says you will be honored as you follow his path and his plan for your life. You will have honors awarded and bestowed unto you. Mm -mm. Now, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, the tragedy is so many live and die. All of their, they lived all of their life, and they never stepped into what God had for them. And then they get old, and then they blame the company. I'll tell you what, I worked for that company for 40 years, and all they did was give me a watch worth $45. And they got that watch from Walmart. And that's all I got for 45 years of labor. That's not the company's fault. That's the individual's fault for getting into a lane that had no future for them. Now, it could have been perfect for somebody else. Or it could have been something that was transitory that they eventually pass through and move on to the next level of blessing. Praise the Lord. But some people lock them in, themselves uh, into dead-end destinies. There's a dead end. Mm. And a lot of that is because of a, of a refusal to fully give their hearts over to the Lord as Lord. Well, I love Jesus as Savior, but ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Well, then... The only person losing out is the stubborn individual. Praise God. That's why we have the Old Testament. All of these are types and shadows. All of these Old Testament stories were written for us upon whom the, the end of the ages has come. Time is short. God's going to make the years that you have before you count and be maximized. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're watching today's program, you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, I want to know why I'm here, which is my know, which is more reason than my feet to walk on grass and my nose to, uh, to uh, breathe in fresh air. I want to know my purpose. Well, then if you don't know Christ, it begins right there. And that's the greatest thing. Forgiveness of sins, receiving eternal life. Pray this prayer right now. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins. I ask you to save me and that you would write me, write my name in your book of life. 
I give my life completely to you. And I turn from sin. Take me now as your child. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. Now I sense in my heart somebody is, has awakened to a reality of an understanding of this is why things aren't working out for me. Hmm. There's been something that I've said today and you're beginning to realize this is why things aren't working out for me. Okay. So if you're going the wrong direction, you need to, you need to tell the Lord, Lord, I've gotten on the wrong path. And if you'll turn to the Lord, he's a master at helping you to get back onto the fast lane, the freeway of what could we call it? Of the preordained life, the preordained path that he has for you. And I've, I've taken some wrong exits, not intentionally, just got distracted, took off, took off some little, uh, uh, you know, wrong exits. And I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, what am I doing? Well, what did that have to do? Lord, help me get back on path. Okay. And so get back on path. And the Lord knows the fastest way to do that. And he'll help you to do that. Praise the Lord. So father, let that wisdom come now. I thank you. And if you've done that, just repent. It's, it begins right there. Humble yourself, repent, say, Lord, um, I know what's going on here. So just repent, say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me and restore me back onto the path that you have for me in Jesus name. Amen. And you know what? There is great relief in that. There is great relief in letting go of something that God never intended for you to carry. Jesus said, my, my, my yoke is easy. My burden's light. Mm, praise God. That's why Paul's laboring all the time, laboring all the time. But it's not something that's just draining him. There's actually life in it. Praise the Lord. All right, let's, let's take Holy Communion. We are going to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. His death upon the cross is the reason why we now have eternal life through him. Let's take Holy Communion together. Grab some unleavened bread, some grape juice. Let's pray over it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We consecrate it. We set it apart as holy. And we thank you that it is. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive his flesh, we thank you, Father, that life is precious. And it must be spent wisely, not foolishly. But we thank you, Father, that your assignments will keep us busy until the Lord comes back. So as we receive the body of the Lord, help us to stay on track and help us to strive for excellence. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's flesh. Let's receive the spirit of excellence. Do you think the Lord, if he lived in modern times today, now, of course, he does live, but if he were on the earth today, walking around today, do you think he'd miss his flight, showing up late? Oh, sorry. Fellas, I'm sorry. Made us all late. We just missed a plane. You, could you ever see Jesus doing something like that? Well, now, Pastor Stephen, he was late for Lazarus, and uh, uh, Lazarus died. He was late. No, no. If Jesus shows up later than what is expected, that means he's on time and everything else is now running according to heaven's time clock. He's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. 
But no, Jesus was always on time. One, uh, uh, you get into areas of dishonor if you're always showing up late. Show up, why? Because you're disrespecting somebody else's time and you're inconveniencing them. And you can't do that in areas of excellence. They won't wait. They won't wait. They close the door. The opportunity is lost. Father, we thank you for the blood, the blood of Jesus. We ask that if we have committed any sins, you wash them all away. We ask that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you. And Father, we bless those that would persecute us as we endeavor to move forward in excellence. We bless those that wouldn't understand, even our own brothers and sisters. We bless them, forgive them, and we go on. We go on. We thank you, Father God. Mm -mm. We thank you for right standing with you through the blood of Jesus. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> this is me taking my jab. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Pastor Stephen, have you taken the jab? Uh, you, uh, you actually get to watch me take it every Sunday and every Wednesday. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Pastor Stephen, how do you know? How do you know? Have you ever seen me sick? Have you ever seen a sign show up Sunday morning? Pastor Stephen couldn't make it today. He's sick. Okay. This is what I'm taking. The medicine of immortality right here. Did you ever show up on Wednesday morning and there's a big sign saying, Pastor Stephen can't make it today. He's in bed. He has a headache. He's got a backache. Hmm. You ever seen that? Can you name one time in all the years I've been streaming on the internet? You've ever seen that? Steve, I don't understand that. Look right here. Here's my explanation. The medicine of immortality. I'm not saying I'm living forever physically because should the Lord tarry, I'll go the way that we all have to go eventually. But I expect to live the full days of my life out and I have eternal life on the inside of my spirit and I will go to be with the Lord forever. And so will you as a child of God. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Mm. This is my, this is my insurance policy right here. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just thought I'd throw that in today. Extra blessing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glory. Because you'll lose the excellence, excellent spirit. If, if, if the boss needs you, uh, where's he or she at? Oh, uh, 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 they're sick again, laying in bed, coughing, sneezing, all that stuff. Okay. And even if you are. You know, you know, the thing is, is that if you're there, you're there. Praise God. Daniel, spirit of excellence, spirit of excellence. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, I speak blessing over your people. They're breaking forth in the new levels and they're loving it. And the sunshine of your glory is shining on them. This is their time. Take them to the top. Thank you with an excellent spirit in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. <laughs>
，拜拜。